Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Anti-Bullying 101 is brought to you by Bark. Technology that keeps your kids safer online and in real life. You wouldn't give your kid a bike without a helmet and you wouldn't let them drive a car without wearing a seatbelt. So don't give them a smartphone, tablet, or laptop without the number one safety solution on the market. Bark. Bark monitors over 30 social media platforms including YouTube, text messages, email accounts, browser history, and more. That's four times more than any other child monitoring app. And Bark alerts you via text and email when your child has encountered problematic content. You'll get automatic alerts to signs of cyberbullying, depression, online predators, adult content, and more, along with the best recommended next steps for how to address. Trusted by over 1,900 school districts nationwide, Bark is absolutely free for schools and $9 per family per month. So use the tech solution created by parents for parents and that keeps close to 5 million kids safer online. Visit www.bark.us now to start your free trial and see why parents and caregivers across the nation now have more peace of mind while letting their kids become responsible digital natives. That's www.bark, like a dog barks when a stranger approaches your house, .us. One more time, that's www.bark.us. Now, back to the show. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. It's been some time since I've I've done a show, and I'm very happy to be back with you. And I'm doing my best to commit myself to do one or two shows a week. And I hope you all are surviving during this COVID epidemic that we are experiencing worldwide. 
and I know there's the kids are kind of confused. They have virtual learning, hybrid learning, in-person learning. Some of the kids who are uh, in school, some of the districts have had outbreaks already, and we are just looking for an end to this nightmare that we've been experiencing, and we're hoping that that somewhere, somehow, someone will come up with the necessary vaccine to be able to take care of the problem. I can remember as a kid waiting on a huge line outside of schools in the town where I was born and raised, and we all had to go into the building and go up a flight of stairs into some of the classrooms and in a little tiny cup for everyone, there was a sugar cube with the uh, polio vaccine sitting on top of it. And we had to take that and then we were vaccinated and they proceeded to give that vaccination to all young children that were born uh, going forward. So I'm just hoping that we can really discover this find out what we need to do. I hope you all are practicing social distancing. I hope you all are wearing the necessary face coverings and other things that are required uh, for us to participate in our social lives. It's not easy when you get cooped up. Sometimes you can get frustrated. Sometimes you want to go to a party. Sometimes you want to go out to crowded places. Do yourself a favor. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let's just wait this thing out and see what happens because you don't want to get it. I'm 65 years old. I know I don't want to get it. And I don't want my kids getting it or my wife or anyone else. And I certainly don't want anyone to get it. But a lot of people have, and a lot of people have died, and I'm asking that you take the necessary precautions. And I am happy to be back with you, providing anti-bullying information, anti-bullying resources, anti-bullying strategies, and stories related to bullying. I think that we've all experienced it, we've all had difficulty with it, and we all certainly want it to go away. But I've often said where you have people, you have problems. And amongst that group of people that you might be hanging with, there may be a bully sitting amongst them who will look for his victim or her victim and who will look to talk about somebody, make fun of somebody, or do something that just demoralizes and is just so disrespectful and uncaring. And we're trying to do our best here and I'm going to do better going forward. Now, a a couple of days ago, uh, it was on a Wednesday, I interviewed a lovely gal from the United Kingdom. Her name is Beth Keeping. And she's a songwriter from uh, Surrey, UK. And she kind of draws from a traditional country storytelling and modern pop music approach and delivers a fresh and modern sound, which she calls pop stories 
and she was bullied herself. She experienced bullying and she's using her music and she's creating songs that speak about real situations. Her, she has a very honest and lyrical approach and she has been garnering attention from fans and critics across the globe. Now, her songs remind listeners that we all have a choice, and we do, and we can choose to bully, and we can, if we've been victimized, we can choose to retaliate, or we can choose peace and understanding and forgive those who have used their power against us. And it was a very inspiring interview for me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think that she is a gal who is right on the ball and she's doing her best to try and make sure she can touch the lives of those who have been hurt. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you Beth Keeping. She is um, my interview for the day and I think you're going to enjoy this interview thoroughly. So, listen up and enjoy the interview. Hi, Beth, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. How are you doing Hi. today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good for, you know, a Jersey boy in New Jersey. You know, <laughs> I, I got a question for you. What time is it in London right now? Um, it is 4.30, and it's actually surprisingly sunny and hot today. Normally, it, um, it rains a lot, but um, we're experiencing a nice September. So things are good here. Sunny and hot mean hot means what? Does it mean it's ninety or? Oh, we use Celsius. I think it's probably so. It's maybe like twenty two today, which is like comfortably warm. So I don't know what that is in um, Fahrenheit. Maybe maybe eighties. Oh, okay. You got a nice day going. That's good. Good. Good for you. So what what are you doing these days? What are some of the things that you're working on and? Um, and uh, what would you like to share about your experience with uh, as you've gotten older and how you've um, used your talents to help help others deal with bullying? Yeah, so I um, I'm a songwriter and um, an artist. So I recently um, in June I released a song called Cool Kids, which is something that I wrote about um, my experience of bullying when I was at high school and my story of what I went through and actually um, how I saw kind of a power shift happen when I'm older and and sort of the things that I've I've kind of gone through and how they've shaped me. And um, yeah, I'm just really passionate about um, writing about my own stories um, and encouraging other people to um, to write their own songs and write their own stories and um yeah get in touch with their emotions and with their past and um yeah kind of make change and find hope in their lives it's almost like therapy isn't it when you write oh 100 percent. yeah every time I write a song I feel like it kind of packages up a part of my life that maybe was either exciting or painful but that has come to an end and it's like um you know you can put those emotions into like a nice neat little box and if you want to revisit them you just click play on the song and or you play at a gig and you kind of feel those emotions and then you're like yeah I've dealt with that and then you can move on so I'm a big fan of songwriting or being creative in whatever way works for you you know, uh, my wife is a, a trained uh, therapist, and uh, one of the things she shared with me a while ago 
um, was that every relationship that we have with others that's in the past, that goes unresolved. We have to finish the relationship with somebody else. And, and I think lots of times people carry youth conflict into their adult life. And I don't even think they're aware of how it affects them on their job, as a spouse, uh, in life in general, and how difficult it is for people who were bullied to really survive as adults, because it is a very traumatizing event. And when it's not managed right, you take it, you take it with you for your whole life. Yeah, I think I think that's so right. You know, I think there's so much wisdom in that and and how we need to yeah, we need to we need to talk about these things and we need to have that kind of experience to to kind of go through that and process that so that yeah, we don't carry it into adult life or being aware that we are carrying it and that um maybe that's stuff that we have to, you know, talk through and, and deal with. In my circles, we we and probably you've heard of it as well. There's a, a thing called uh, Mean Girls. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, and were you bullied more by girls or more by boys, or was it kind of a mix? I think it was a mix of both, actually. Um, in this in this particular in the song that I wrote, um, looking back at those experiences, a lot of that is actually talking about the boys. Um, there was one boy who um, I used to have to sit next to in every subject in my high school because they'd sit us in alphabetical order, and so I'd have to sit next to him, and I kind of felt like I was trapped in that situation. And he would pick on me, and you know, if he wasn't sat next to me, he was sat behind me, and he would put his foot on the back of my chair and like push it into the table, and you know. I wouldn't know what to do. And nowadays it's funny because I would actually just turn around and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Stop kicking my chair. But at the time, you know, you, you feel like you're powerless and you feel like there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, and I think there were also kids that's, you know, just walking to school and walking from school, there'd be kids hanging out at the bus stop and they would shout things and say things. And I think I did have experiences with mean girls as well. Um, but I'd say that that was definitely more kind of subtle and um, whereas the boys would sometimes like really like shout just horrible comments in my face, whereas with the girls, I think it would be more like, you know, the kind of subtle comment or, you know, saying something to a friend and, and not saying it directly to you or trying to shut you out of things. Mm -hmm. More of the exclusion type of a thing with the girls. Mm, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Bullying you know, takes on a lot of forms. Um, you have physical, you have verbal you have emotional, sometimes parents are pretty good at emotional bullying and they don't even know it when they don't talk to, they, I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we'd rather be disciplined than, than get the cold shoulder for two days. Um, and did you experience any physical bullying at all? Um, I would not really. I think most of the um, bullying that I experienced was verbal. It was people saying things about my appearance or about, you know, the way that I walked or my mannerisms or, um, you know, my height. I was I was quite a tall girl and I was quite skinny. Um, the only physical bullying I would say would probably be that when, you know, when he used to like kick my chair. But my brother um, experienced a lot more severe bullying than me at his school. And he would experience a lot of physical bullying being pushed around. And it got mm -hmm. to 
the point where um, they actually had to move schools to um, to get him away from that situation, which was, I think, hard for him. But in the long run, it was just a fantastic move because he actually managed to get the support that he needed at a different school and made some really good friends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's, you got to do that. Mm, Sometimes that yeah. has to happen. You know, no doubt about that. And, you know, bullying has a way of shaping us as we grow older you know we you know in terms of taking risk and making friends and understanding our boss and mm. um, you know having the confidence to do things that we see as a dream but we don't take the steps to do it because we don't think we're worthy enough to do it or we don't think we deserve to have success we can beat ourselves up pretty bad uh, when we're bullied. And I say we because I was bullied myself in school uh, and I understand it completely. How do you think your experience with bullying has affected you today? Yeah, I would say that definitely. I think also because because a lot of the bullying I received was verbal, I think a lot of those words kind of stick to you and you carry them into adult life. So if I look at the insecurities that I have today about my appearance and, and my body and, you know, sometimes even just the way that I speak and the way that I present myself in situations, I think probably 90% of that comes from comments that people said mostly in my teenage years and you know it might just be an offhand comment to someone they might just be walking down the street and they need to feel powerful for a second so they look at you and they think oh I'm just going to say something about that person and and you know then two seconds later they've forgotten about it but you know that sticks to you and you remember and it sticks in your mind and sometimes it becomes this this really this bigger thing and I think for me I mean there was a moment when um, I went to this party when I was a, um, a teenager it was my first boyfriend and um, the next day I found out that um, all the boys at this party thought that his girlfriend which was me um, was like really ugly and was a minger and they all fancied my my friend that I brought with me and um, that had such an effect on me I think that was probably the point where I realized that you know, I wasn't the most beautiful woman in the world. Like before then I, I had a real sort of confidence in who I was. And, you know, I knew I didn't look like the people on TV, but that I loved myself and I loved what I looked like. And then when I realized that other people didn't think that way and that they, they had a problem with the way that I looked, I think that really affected me and in a way that I'm not sure if I have ever fully recovered from. But yeah, it's it's amazing how things that people say can just completely shatter your self-confidence. But I think I think also in a way, those experiences have shaped me for the better in terms that I actually realized that that was a thing that happened, that sometimes some of the things I think about myself haven't come because they're true, but it's because that's something that someone said to me. So now I try and stop myself, you know, if I think, oh, I don't look good today or oh, I don't like this thing about myself. I think actually, where is that coming from? Is that coming from something someone said to me? Is that coming from something I've seen on the television? And, you know, there's all these women who look a certain way and I don't look like that. And, um, you know, it's trying to identify why it is that I'm I'm feeling self-conscious or insecure and and realizing that actually, you know, that that's not because of me. That's not because of who I am, but actually it's just because of something that someone said to me. So I think that it's I'm in a way that I'm stronger because 
I've, I have experienced that, but yeah, I totally agree that, you know, it, it does have a real detrimental effect. And I think unless you really sit down and, and work through that stuff, it's very hard to let go. I think. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, um, you know, in schools and so on, we, we, we kind of preach, um, forgiveness, forgiveness, you know, like you, you bring the bully and the victim together. Yeah. And you tell them, you know, let's shake hands and put this behind us, you know, and so on. And of course, the victim gives a half hearted shake and the bully extends his hand just because he has to, not because he wants to. And everybody thinks it's all over. Well, there's an aggressive way to accept an apology. And most people don't use it today. And the the apology gets accepted when you say, you know, I accept your apology, but don't let it happen again. Mm. And and through that apology, you draw the boundary that's necessary for you to have moving forward. And this is what I've tried to teach kids because the bully is going to forget. He'll forget what he did to you. He won't even realize that he did it or she did it. Uh, they don't. They don't have like a uh, uh, a scope where they can see the inside of a person's heart or inside of a person's mind. And and sometimes when we talk about forgiving, well, you know, unless we who were traumatized get amnesia, we're never going to forget. Mm. We we don't forget. And I think having the wherewithal to find outlets and find uh, things and maybe even, you know, the ability or the luxury to be able to talk to somebody is something that people have to realize is necessary. As you have, you know, with your music. Yeah. You know, that be it becomes your outlet. Now, why do you think some of these kids behave the way they did toward you? Those bullies. I think, I mean, obviously, I assume, you know, in your experience, you've seen this, that bullying is, is often more about the bully and what's going on in their life than it has to do with the person that they're actually picking on. And I think that um, for a lot of kids at my school, it was, it, you know, the school was based on the edge of quite a rough area. And so I think a lot of these kids came from troubled backgrounds. And so there was stuff going on at home. And so when they were in school, you know, that was their time to really try and grab onto some sort of power and authority or control and try and control this kind of different sphere outside of their home environment, I think. And the one particular kid who I actually wrote Cool Kids about, because I think the funny thing about this song is that um, basically a couple of years ago, I found out that this kid who used to sit behind me in class and kick my chair and I used to sit next to him and everything. And, you know, he was really mean to me. I found out that a couple of years ago, he actually um, listens to my music and um, thinks that I'm, I'm kind of cool now. And really respects what I do which was an amazing moment um for me really and it, it did bring a lot of healing but um I think for him and I do I look at this in the song as well and I think well actually why did he say the things that he did and why did he treat me that way there has to be another side to the story and I think for him he was in the cool kids group but he was kind of on the lower rung of it 
So um, he would sometimes get some sort of like bullying or gentle teasing from his friends. And so he would look to other people to pick on and bully so that that made him look good in front of his friends and made him feel like he had some sort of power. And it wasn't just me. One of my um, best friends was also bullied by him. And she loves this song as well because she's like, yeah, I can get back at him too when I listen to this song. Mm -hmm. The victim becomes the bully, Mm. basically. You know, he was bullied by some of the uh, kids he was hanging around with. Uh, and uh, he had, you see, and he had to take that out on somebody else. Yeah, there, exactly. And, and that is, it's a very small form of what we were just discussing where you, it seemed like you have to finish. And he was trying to finish on you because uh, he couldn't confront the people that were giving him a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. That's a really good way of looking at it, actually. You like music, obviously, and music has helped you. Uh, what? How can music help others? How can music have an impact on teenagers today? I think that I think music is so powerful and I think it's so important. And um, obviously, as a songwriter, that as we said, it's it's a way of me to kind of express my emotions and explore what it is that I'm feeling. But I think in terms of the listener, often it can be an escape. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I used to go into my room and shut the door and listen to my favorite artists. And, and that would be my time for me to kind of forget about what was going on in my life and find joy in something outside of that situation. And um, I think it can also be just incredibly empowering as well. I think when you hear a song that you relate to that describes something that you're going through or something that you're feeling, it can help you feel so much less alone because you know that someone else is gone through that same experience or or felt that same emotion. And, you know, you feel like, oh, wow, it wasn't just me. You know, um, other people are going through the same experience. Um, And it's like also someone has almost put into words what you're feeling, but don't really know how to describe. Um, And I think, so for me, when I was being bullied, that was probably the time when I actually started writing music for the first time. So I think, I mean, I really, I think it's really important that um, teenagers are listening to this music and listening to music that empowers them not only to, you know, feel better about their situations, but also empowers them to look to creative outlets to express stuff for themselves. And yeah, I remember sitting down at my piano and beginning to write about my own experiences and bullying and how I felt about myself and how I felt about my life because I'd heard other artists and been inspired by people doing that in their own lives and, and sharing their music with me. Mm-hmm. You know, was cyberbullying um, uh, something that you experienced? Uh, kind of. Not um, so. The whole kind of social media world was slightly um, after my time as a teenager, but we used to have MSN, so instant messenger. So I used to chat to people, and I think there was an element of um, of that. You know, you would speak to people. Sometimes he weren't even your friends, but, um, you know, you'd, you'd chat to them because, you know, that was just what you did. We all lived on this little online instant messenger kind of world. And um, that was actually where I heard about that experience I talked about earlier, where um, I found out that my you know, boyfriend when I was 12, all his friends thought I was ugly. And I actually found that out because one of them had messaged me and said, oh, I know something, you know, all these kids said this about you. And then they actually, um, you know, copied and pasted 
instant messenger conversations that they'd had um, with the boys at the party and sent them to me. So I wouldn't have known about that, you know, if, if it wasn't been, hadn't been for being on that online space. So that's a sort of what I've experienced. But in terms of thinking about nowadays, what, what kids go through, I think that it, it's, it's a real, you know, it's a real issue. And I'm, you know, actually incredibly grateful that we didn't have social media and we didn't have all those, those ways that actually those bullies probably would have found me online on Instagram or Snapchat and, and probably transferred their bullying online in a way that they couldn't have done when we were teenagers. Right. Right. Yeah. So you probably, you probably, uh, were, um, a little bit ahead of your time you were behind the time or what, whatever it was. And you didn't get, you didn't experience the cyber bullying the way some of the kids, kids do today. Today, it, it truthfully, it's 24 seven. Mm, I can imagine. That, that's what it is. I mean, they, they can't escape it and more suicides get committed because of cyber bullying. Um, you know, they just because the kids today, um, they they it, it's almost as if they can't get enough of it. They can't they can't inflict enough pain and suffering on someone. Uh, it's not enough that they do it in school. Then they have to do it, you know, at home. Uh, I'm, sometimes I ask victims why why don't you just block these people keep them, you know, from getting information to you because it's useless information anyway. But for some reason, they continue to, they continue to receive it. And it is just so damaging because it's, because it's unrelenting. It just keeps going and going and going. It's incredible. It really is. And fortunately you didn't experience that. I didn't, uh, thank God. Um, and, uh, but the young people today have a, a, a tall order in trying to be able to manage that stuff. They really do. Uh, it's painful. It is. And to overcome it is admirable and absolutely, you know, hats off kudos to kids who can really make, make it a thing of the past. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, as you have, uh, and you at least have found the outlets, you found ways to help change your way of thinking um, to help you become a better person and to help others. You know, in New Jersey, we have something called the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights. Um, and this is a, a mandate. And many other um, states have adopted the same Bill of Rights. And it's things that have to happen in schools the week of you have uh, a week in October, that's the week of respect. There's hearings that are held for kids that are bullied. Um, for kids, in other words, we, we bring the bully before a panel and we determine, you know, what's going on with them. Uh, we refer kids out for help. Um, you know, different things um, that this bill of, and it came about, because, and I don't know if you heard his name, uh, his name is Tyler Clemente. Uh, no. you may not have, you may not have heard of him. He was a young student at Rutgers, uh, who had not come out to his parents as being gay. Uh, he was in his dorm room 
and with a uh, another person and someone recorded him with the other person and put it on Twitter. Oh, that's awful. Um, and the biggest problem that he had was my parents are going to know this now. And he became ashamed and he became frightened and uh, he was mortified and he jumped off the George Washington Bridge in New York. Um, And the the idea, the idea that, you know, um, that and of course, the, the perpetrator. And you can look, and you can look all of this up online. You may another person you could look up online is Megan Meyer, and you could read that uh, uh, sad tale. But the, the the idea here is is because things can become so unrelenting, and kids can have no hope. They can have no hope. We have to set up. We have to mandate laws. We have to put um, rules and procedures in place just to make sure that kids treat each other kind and respectful. That's the part that troubles me beyond measure. We have to have a we have to have a law in place that says I have to treat you like a human being and give you respect and be kind and caring toward you. And that's something that is a bit troubling at times to me because it should be very natural to treat you with love and, and so on. So you were in, we, we, we've discovered, which by the way, after Tyler Clemente committed suicide, I then went forward and I wrote uh, the bullyproof classroom, which is a graduate course that is offered at two colleges here in the United States but the so I could teach people what they need to do. But the question that I have for you, as I've gotten, you know, kind of went around in a circle there. I hope I didn't lose you. Oh, is uh, is um, you're you're when you were younger, like at least like right now, within the last ten years. The state and the schools are trying. They're trying. But when you were younger and when, which is like a a million years ago when I was younger, what do you wish there was in place that could have made a difference, you know, in your experience with bullying? What could people have done? What should have been in place that could have helped you deal with this? Yeah, I think it's I think it's so important. I think what what people are beginning to do now, you know, the the stuff in place. Although, you know, as as we all know, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. And and you know, when you're in that situation, even if the help is there, sometimes you feel like you can't can't go for it. Um, I think for me, what I wish had been in place is stuff even before the bullying. So stuff about teaching kids about. Um, you know, our own uniqueness and um, about body image and body confidence and, um, you know, teaching people that, you know, you don't have to look like this person on TV because then I think it gets everyone's into everyone's heads, including the heads of the bullies that actually, you know, 
we, you, you shouldn't pick on someone for looking a certain way and actually we're all unique and we all have something to bring to the table and I don't think that that will necessarily stop the bullying but I think it might give victims some sort of confidence that you know no matter what people are saying about them is just words and that it isn't you know what is is the truth um but I, I think that that is very difficult when you when you're looking around in the media and and you know you're seeing people who who you know look like one specific way um I think also just I just wish that I would have had someone to talk to and that I would have realized that what I was experiencing was bullying I think because as I said I wasn't pushed around and you know there wasn't cyberbullying in my day and and I you know I'd, I I sometimes I would be followed home and people would like walk behind me and shout insults and stuff but because they didn't you know kick me around and I didn't have any bruises I didn't really feel like what I was going through was proper bullying and so I didn't feel like I could get any help or I needed to get any help I just thought it was something I just had to get through and just had to overcome and I think that you know, if I'd have known that actually what I was experiencing wasn't okay and that that's not the way that people should treat each other. And, um, you know, and I had someone to talk to about it or known, had some sort of tools for dealing with that or someone to talk to me about actually how can we stand up for people when they say stuff about us? How can we find that kind of inner strength and inner confidence in ourselves to, you know, let those bullets brush off, like rather than rather than go in deep, then I think that probably would have helped me at the time and also in the long term to not dwell on it, but um, to be able to realize actually that wasn't okay. And, you know, the to me wasn't true and that I actually would have been able to kind of move forward rather than, as you said, kind of expecting it to happen later life and in, in adulthood thinking, oh, is that person thinking that thing about me? Is that person going to say that thing? Because it's true. And not because you've realized, oh, actually, that was that wasn't OK, if that makes any sense. Do you think the schools could have done more? And what can the schools do today? I think, yeah, I think the school could have done more. Although I just I know how complicated and how difficult it is because, you know, you could be in a classroom about bullying and mean that kids are going to take it seriously. You know, like the cool kids will be sat at the back going, ha ha, you know, lol. And that later we'll go teach those people that we were doing really a lesson and doesn't go in at the time and but but I still think it's conversations and and I think knowing that there is somewhere you can go to ask for help like I think we did have a school counsellor but um, where to go to talk to them and like I said I as that what I was experiencing was bad enough to to need to go and speak to someone I think often we think that in order to go for help it has to be like a much worse case than the case that we're actually in and and it's good to talk going through or however big it feels always something that's worth talking about. I think it's interesting. One of my um, one of my best friends who um, I used to go to secondary school with has just become in that same school, and so she's now going into the classroom and seeing it from a teacher's. And she's having to having to deal with that. And I know that it's that it's it's difficult for her, but that is at the same it's it's she feels good that actually she might be able to make a difference and stop some of those situations that we experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's more prevalent in the UK than it is in the United States, or maybe you're you're not aware? I mean, I mean, I've I've heard you you speak about it, uh, and I know how it is here, and it's pretty bad. Uh, you have adult to adult bullying, you have spent, you have uh, bosses bullying employees. I mean, it is all over the place now. It's not just it's because those kids yeah. become adults, and if they're not corrected as children, they become adults that bully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's everywhere. I mean, all the and, but 
I know that there are, you know, certain issues of, of race in, in the States, for example, that we also have here, but maybe it works itself out in a different way, you know, and maybe there are particular insults, um, you know, ways of, of, of bullying and ways of, um, you know, getting control that are maybe different in our countries, but I think it's probably just as bad kind of wherever you are really, but maybe it's expressed in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, it's worldwide and it, it's in politics as well, because uh, yeah. we ha- we have our general election coming up in November, and uh, just watching the uh, the campaign, and it, they're not what they will do. They're telling you what the other person's not doing. Yes, they're actually verbally bullying the other candidate. Yeah, all the time. I'm not sure if this happens in the states, but over here we have um, this House of Commons where um, basically all the politicians um, will make laws and debate and stuff. And um, you know, we have one party sat on one side of the room and another party. On- and you see the two leaders of the parties literally hurling insults at each other and it's like they've got their kind of group of friends behind them egging them on someone says oh well you know i think you have big ears and then the other person will stand up and be like oh well i think you've got a big nose and it's literally the same kind of dynamic and it's almost like their school children kind of just as you say like picking apart the other person rather than talking about the good that they can do we definitely have that over here as well yeah, and basically, they were children that were never corrected. Uh, they were adults that never were never corrected as children as well. Uh, and it's and that's kind of like it permeates, you know. And we forget, we forget that kids watch TV. You, uh, you, you know, I I need to send you, and I'm gonna have your email address now. A copy of Anti Bullying One Hundred and One. And it's 101 tips and strategies to help stop bullying. It's for teachers, but parents can read it. Anybody can read it. But all it is, it's 101 short paragraphs on what you could do. I'm going to send you the ebook so you have it. Uh, and you could share it with others or do whatever you want with it. But in there, I have a uh, one small tip. It's called CNN, MSNBC, Fox. And what the people in homes forget is that their children like let's just say on fox they always they might they always give you the race or the color or the creed of a person who may have created a crime and then people get on that race or that creed it could be a muslim could be african-american whatever it is they get on them they get the, the parents start talking about it these no good blah 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 well, they forget that their kids go to school and sit right next to other kids mm. who may be of that race or that creed. And they're breeding hate into their own children because they have to now share space and time and energy. And, and uh, they're out on the playground together. They're hanging. And all of a sudden they hate a group of people. And, and the person that they're sitting with or talking to didn't do anything to them. Mm, yeah exactly you know and this is this is how wide and broad the problem has become and so proud that i have the opportunity to talk to you give solution you know you use music you understood what happened to you and i really you know am thrilled taking the time to help other people other people along and almost give uh 
music therapy to those who need it. You you are a wonderful person, and I thank you so much for being on the show. Oh no, you're so welcome. I think it's it's really important that that the music that that is available to kids nowadays is stuff that is giving them good messages and that is empowering them. And I think those of us who have gone through the experiences that they're going through right now, or maybe we'll go through in a couple of years time that, that there is that music out there that they can listen to and know, Hey, I'm not alone. And actually once I've gone through that experience, I'll be able to look back and, and, you know, Hey, Beth got through it. And now she's seen that, that shift there. And actually those kids who, you know, used to bully her now, now think that she's cool because she made something of her life and, and she, followed you know those passions and maybe she was different but actually you know being different is okay and and you know as you get older sometimes that 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 those people who were different actually become the artists and become the creatives and and so I think it, it, it is encouraging I think when kids have access to you know songs that that you know creatives are writing about their past experiences and making them realize hey actually when I get older I could be like them and, and maybe I'll have a different story to tell. Well, you are a great role model, Beth, uh, for it all. And understand that bullying occurs only for two reasons, weakness and difference. Mm. And, and we have to learn how to value the differences, as you have just said, uh, and make sure that we, we realize that if we're all the same, life would be boring. Yeah, that's no, for you're sure. so right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we all have something different to bring to the table. And I think once we realize what that is, I think working on, you know, actually, what is it that makes me unique? And actually, you know, I'm, I'm one color in this, um, in this amazing like pattern that is, you know, the classroom or, or, um, our neighborhood or our world. And, you know, as you say, we all bring something different. And if we were all the same color, then, you know, that, that painting would be pretty, pretty boring, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Sure would. It's one big mosaic and we have to learn how to be, accepting loving kind caring and and respectful that is for sure you it has been wonderful speaking with you beth i hope that we have the opportunity to do it again uh if in fact you have the time because you probably have a pretty busy schedule um but for now uh i'm gonna um say so long to you. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. I know it's the afternoon by you. Um, and I hope that things continue to work out well for you. I hope that you continue to do all of the things that you're doing because you, you just are making an impact in the lives of many people today and mostly our young people, and they certainly do need it. So it was a pleasure speaking with you, Beth. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Um, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and for ha- having this conversation and giving me an opportunity to kind of tell my story and and yeah and if people want to um, hear the song or hear more about me then you can find me um, at Beth Keeping which is keeping like the verb on um, all social media platforms and yeah get in touch and and let me know if if my song and my story is um, encouraged you and I hope it does. Thanks again, Beth. I appreciate it and and we'll talk very soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Bye. Bye now. Goodbye. Well, that's my interview with Beth Keeping, a a wonderful gal uh, who really is doing everything that she can 
to help stop the bullying epidemic and give other kids and other adults a healthy outlet through music and through many of the uh, stories that she tells with her music. So I thought it was great. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I am going to be back at you this week, probably on Wednesday. I certainly hope you'll join me. We're going to have a topic that I I think everybody will enjoy. Uh, and until then, my name is Jim Burns, and thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.